Thank you, Chris. Good morning, church family. Oh, wow, it's been a full, full Sunday. Not only as we've sung and heard the choir sing, we've uh, gotten to hear the gospel explained to us through the lives of, of four uh, individuals, and it's just encouraging to hear and sing and pray the good news that we all cherish. If you would, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. This morning we're going to give our attention to verses 16 through 23. And if uh, you're a guest with us and you don't own a Bible, uh, if you would, you can go right to the sound booth and we've got some Bibles there on the ledge and you can grab one of those and you can consider that a gift uh, from Oak Park if you need that. So Matthew chapter 10 And I invite us to follow along with me as I read verses 16 through 23. Jesus says this to his disciples. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes." You may be surprised to know where uh, the church is growing uh, in its fastest pace. Uh, You might think that it's here in America, although there are are good things going on here. Uh, North America is not where the church is growing the fastest. It's not in Europe or really in any first world country. It's not even in Africa though we have heard of incredible stories of God's grace abounding in that country. But missiologists, that's a big term for for those who study trends in in the mission field. Missiologists identify the the fastest growing Christian movement to be occurring in Iran. Iran is the fastest growing uh, country in concerns Christianity. Just to listen to kind of this astounding growth. In 2005, there were estimated to be 40,000 Christians in the country of Iran. By 2010, that number grew to over 175,000. Today, that number, and this is a pretty uh, wide range, and the reason it's wide is because we actually can't get in there to, to see But the estimates are between 300,000 to a million Christians. Even if we take the the smallest number, you can see in five-year increments just how fast the numbers are multiplying. 
And there's several reasons for that growth. <clears throat> well, number one is the failed promises of the Islamic rule that has been put in place in Iran. Uh, back in the 70s, uh, uh, Iran became officially um, uh, ruled by Sharia law, and it promised a great utopia of economic prosperity and societal progression, but that has absolutely been the opposite of the case. It's actually brought great uh, harm uh, to the people and brought economic collapse and societal uh, woes. And many in that country have actually abandoned Islam. They have seen it. Uh, one, one missionary said the greatest evangelist for Christianity in Iran has been the Ayatollah because it has shown the true face of Islam and it has no hope for anyone. But they have turned not from Islam directly to Christianity. Many have turned to atheism. It has been reported that the mosques which fill Iran are actually empty. It looks very differently than what you may see on the news. But they're empty, and, and many have turned to, to drugs and, and to atheism. But it is this emptiness that has, has created uh, a void where the gospel of Jesus Christ is being able to shine very brightly in that country. Another reason is technology and media has allowed the gospel to, to really multiply. Um, technology has, has many woes, but one of the, the good things is, is that information can be disseminated very quickly, and actually it's very hard to control it. That's a double-edged sword, but in terms of gospel work, that's good news. And so many people who have left Iran fleeing have come to faith in Christ, and they're able to communicate to family members, and the gospel is going in undetected. Third, though the New Testament has been banned in Iran. You, you can have the Old Testament, but you, you cannot have a New Testament in Iran. Although that has been the case, again, kind of with media distribution and also Bible printing and underground work, the Bibles are being distributed all throughout the country, and people are hearing the good news and coming to faith in Christ. But fourthly, there is state-sponsored persecution in that country. And that persecution has actually emboldened the believers who were there to propagate the message all the more. It has made them double down, if you will, on their faith in Christ. And this persecution is actually causing the gospel to go and spread like wildfire. And that shouldn't be any surprise to us because actually the Bible tells us that persecution brings credibility to our gospel message. In fact, Jesus tells us to expect it. There's a recent documentary on what is going on in Iran and on their arrival, or a revival that it's occurring uh, in that country. And, and one of the Iranian Christians, a woman, shares the daily reality that she and other believers face. She explains this, and I have it up on the screen, her quote. In Iran, we know what country we're serving. We are serving the Islamic Republic of Iran. We know that if they get us, the first thing they will do to us as a woman is rape us. And then they will beat us. And ultimately, they will kill us. This is the decision we have made, that we want to offer our bodies as sacrifices. Because I have this thought when I wake up. When I leave that door... I might not come back. 
I've talked to my husband, and we made an agreement that this is the decision of our lives. So if we leave that door and we don't come back, we accept the consequences of what has happened. Talk about perspective. To have that being your, your, your morning coffee conversation. That we know what may happen when we leave these doors. And we're at peace with it because we have determined that we are not our own. That we want to offer our bodies as living sacrifices unto our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's just one testimony of many in that country. And so what we're going to see in our passage this morning is that, that just as what is occurring in Iran, and, and this is true in, in other countries where persecution is much more real, persecution is a primary means by which God causes the gospel to go forth. It is a means. It is under God's sovereign control and it is part of his design that as we follow Christ and bear our cross, we, we live out the cross before the world. However, this topic of persecution, it's foreign to us, isn't it? It's absolutely foreign to us and there's nothing that we can do to kind of, in, in any sense, get a grip of what that would be like to live like this woman who I read to us. We, we do not feel the daily pressures that our Iranian brothers and sisters feel. We don't know what it's like to live in a society where it is actually illegal to be a Christian. Yet in our passage today, Jesus is talking to his disciples who have yet to experience this. He is, remember, sending them out. He is, he is calling them in, into the harvest that is plentiful to reap and, and save those whom the Lord is going to give them as they preach the gospel and as they, they, they demonstrate the powers of the kingdom. And Jesus is, is, is giving them their marching orders, if you will. He, he's, he's giving them an expectation of what they are going to face, something that they have yet to face. And so we find ourselves very much in a similar place. We, we don't know what it's like. But Jesus says you must be prepared. Jesus is telling them that I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Although we may not feel it, we may not experience it. I think if we begin to, to open up our eyes and maybe see with, 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 with ears to hear and eyes to see, that, that, that we shouldn't assume that we'll just enjoy peaceful and quiet lives forever. In fact, that's, that's actually abnormal from for Christians throughout history. Yeah, there's been times of prosperity and peace, but as, as Christianity has abound and flourished, you can look at Europe and, and you can think of all those things, it then crumbles and persecution arises. And I think if we were even to look at, uh, at our, our situation here in America and, and to just think about the barricades that are around us uh, of religious freedom, that have allowed us to do what we're doing right now, if you have any eyes to see, you can see the foundation of those barricades weakening. And the wolves are outside, and yes, we're inside safe, but one day those walls are going to fall. And we have to be prepared. 
I'm not here to signal, hey, this is happening tomorrow or something like that. But I do think that it is going to move towards this in some manner. And what that persecution looks like, we do not know. But the question for us this morning is, would we be prepared if tomorrow it was a different story? Would you be prepared? Would you have the faith that, say, this woman had to say, I accept the consequences? And me and my family have made that decision. We will follow Christ. Are we prepared to offer our bodies as sacrifices in the name of Christ? Because, brothers and sisters, if we're going to be faithful to the Great Commission, if we're going to continue to preach Christ, teaching people to obey all that he has commanded, we will find trouble. We will find trouble. We're not going to just be able to just, hey, be, be cool with everybody. And that doesn't mean we're jerks, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're somehow going to be able to navigate this and, and you're never going to offend anybody. And you're never going to find yourself in conflict and you're never going to cross any lines and you're never going to have a cost. Because what we find in the New Testament is following Jesus is very costly even if you don't feel it right now. It will cost us. And so Jesus has told us in 9.37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. So he pictures this field. It is plentiful. And so we see that there's a promise that the mission field, it promises fruit. But now as we come to verse 16 of chapter 10, Jesus says, but I want you to know that when you go into that plentiful harvest, there are wolves all through that field. Yes, there is much to be reaped, but I want you to know there is great danger as well. And we need to have a bigger perspective. We, we hope to continue to send missionaries. There's a reason we, we, we call one of our missionaries Liz and not her real name. Because there are wolves. And we need to understand that. And we need to understand what world we're living in. And so while you do not, and I do not wake up in the Islamic Republic of Iran, do you realize that you wake up in a world that is ruled by the evil one? Do you believe that? Because that's what the scripture tells us. That the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. Not a power that usurps God's power, but there's a real sense in an earthly realm that, that, that this world, the kingdom of this world, is the domain of darkness. And if you do not believe that, you will be naive as you run into the world. And that's what Jesus does not want us to be. And so what is it going to require of us, brothers and sisters, to remain faithful to proclaim the gospel? And just go proclaim it. I'm very encouraged that our Go and Tell board, we, we've, we've shared the gospel with over 100 uh, unique uh, people. We've had over 100, I think it's 107 last time I checked, unique gospel conversations and I bet for each of us who had those conversations, it was the easiest thing you've ever done, right? You weren't worried about rejection. You weren't worried about what anybody thought. You thought you'd be welcomed with open arms, right? No, it was really hard. It was really hard. 
And some of us are like, man, I'm just glad I got a name on the board. Or other of us are like, I haven't even gotten there. And I'm not shaming any of us because it was hard. Because it's when we speak of Christ that we know these things to be true. It is. And it's also that fear that silences us. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to remain faithful to proclaim the gospel in an increasingly hostile world? Well, I would, I would argue that persecution is actually one of the means by which God will push us out. It forces us to a place you can't hide anymore. There, there is a great blessing of the comfort and prosperity, and we, we get to have it, but, but, but persecution actually spreads the gospel. It gets the work. It churns the, uh, uh, the, the bucket, if you will. It stirs it up. It mixes it up, and it forces us to get out of our comfort zone. And so how are we going to be prepared? What is it going to take if we're, we're, we're truly, as Jesus said, sheep among wolves? What's it going to take? Well, here's what it's going to take. Jesus says it's going to take discernment, it's going to take reliance, and it's going to take endurance. Discernment, reliance, and endurance. So let's consider the first one, discernment. So having informed us of the hostile environment of the mission field, and certainly the further you go into unreached people places, well, then the hostility is all the more. That's, that's what happens. Jesus, having informed them of these things, then instructs us to exercise discernment. He says in verse 16, because you're sheep in the midst of wolves, what do you need to do? Be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now that's some provocative language, isn't it? Because if you're familiar with the Bible, every other time you see snakes, that's a bad thing, Right? Snakes are associated with the serpent, with the devil, right? What is Jesus saying? Is he saying go out and be little devils out there in the world? Is that what he's getting after? Well, not exactly, but he is probably poking us a little bit to be a little more shrewd than we are. And that's what he's getting after. You think about snakes. They, they blend into their surroundings. They're, 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 they're calculating. They, they're, they're, they're quickly slithering into the darkness and, and, and getting away from danger. Jesus says that like snakes, we, sh we too should be shrewd in our dealings in the world. We should be cunning not drawing unnecessary attention to ourselves, but calculating every move. Some of us waste our words because we don't calculate our moves. We've wasted our witness because we don't calculate our moves. But Jesus says, Oak Park, you need to be like snakes. You need to be wise and cunning and shrewd. You need to realize that there are those after you. But to avoid confusion, Jesus balances it out. He says, but also innocent as doves. In other words, you're to be snakes without the venom. That's what he's getting after. So yes, you're, you're cunning, you're wise, you're calculating, you're strategic, but your motives are not ill. That's the difference. 
Your motives are, are innocent. They're pure. You're God's motives. But you need to be wise about it. And so we're not to be naive, Jesus says, about our surroundings. We're not to be aloof to the mission, but rather we're to be strategic, taking initiative to go into that harvest, knowing that when we go into it, whether we can see it or not, there are wolves lurking in the field. That's what he's getting after. Do you understand this, brothers and sisters? That you and I, if you are children of God, you are the prey of the enemy. You are. Now it may not look like the Ayatollah here, but it will look like secularism. It will look like the, the, the values of this world that are seeking to destroy and undermine every authority structure that has been put into place, that is seeking to let you think that it is no big deal, that you can just go the way with the world and it will cost you nothing. You are prey. And the devil, he's a snake. And he's sly. And he's cunning. And he is thinking strategically how to get you. Are you? Are you thinking cunningly? Or are you just going along with the world? Do you see what Jesus is saying here? Though we are sheep, we're to be snakes. But not just Venomous snakes were to be like doves. He's using all these analogies to help kind of balance us out so that we may be discerning. Well, what are we to be discerning about? Well, first, we must discern the opposition. That's pretty clear, right? In verse 17, that's what Jesus gets to. So what does this look like to be, be, be like snakes, wise as serpents, but also innocent of doves. Well, beware of men, or, or some of your translations may say people. Well, he's not just saying be a cynic and, and walk around always thinking you're like a, a, a spy in a foreign country or something like that, although that may not be too far off. But what he's talking about here is that beware of the wolves who are people. Okay, he's bridging the analogy, if you will. You need to recognize that the people around you, that some of them are wolves. That's why later you'll be warned to, to watch out for those, those wolves who are wrapped in what? Sheep's clothing. They're being very strategic, are you? They're being very discerning, are you? Revelation says of the false teaching that goes out in the world that, that, it, that it looks like a lamb, but it speaks like a dragon. And so Jesus says you need to beware of them. Why? Well, he goes on. He says, for they will deliver you over to courts. They will flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Jump down to verse 21. He, he goes on. He picks up this theme. Brother will deliver brother over to death and father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. Now if we take all these verses and kind of put it together, what's, where, where's this opposition going to come from? Well, clearly Jesus is speaking in a, in a way that, that fits the context of his day, but, but it's pretty clear, right? 
Opposition's going to come from a judicial sense. There's going to be laws made against you. You're going to break the rules. We saw it as, as Pastor Corey read Acts 15. What were the rules? You shall not teach in this name anymore. Go to jail. Be beaten. So a judicial sense. It can also come from a religious sense. And here in the States, we may find that churches that claim Christianity buy in with the world and become instruments of persecution with the world. And so we may not be flogged in the, in the worship assembly, but what Jesus is saying is that even religious groups will turn against you. This is certainly true for those who are in Islamic countries where this is okay, this is what happens. But we're seeing that even on a religious front. And then there's a societal front at all its level. He, he goes to the most intimate level of human society, that of your own home. Now certainly he's not limiting this to brothers and fathers and their sons. He, he's just giving examples, and Jesus knows it all too well because even his own friend will betray him later. And so what is he getting at? He summarizes it at the end that you will be hated by all people. Why? For my name's sake. Now, he's not saying that every single person on the face of the planet will hate you. What he's getting at here is that all types of people, at every level. And so that, that means you may experience this opposition from a boss from a teacher, from a superior. This may be your neighbors. This may be a friend who now turns against you because they learn that you follow Christ. Now you might say, I, I just don't see that, Chase. This is just far-fetched. You're, you're getting all you know, antsy because you, you, know, you read these things and, and chill out, Chase. This isn't our concern. We don't live on the run. That's true. Right now, for most part, we're not feeling that. However, to borrow Jesus' analogy of the wolves, I think if we have perceptive eyes, we can see the wolves are circling. They're calculating when there's the time to pounce. Now, what the pounce looks like, I don't know. What am I referring to? I think... If we look here in, 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 in the West, in particular in, in our country, and uh, the rise of secularism, along with that is the sexual revolution. And this revolution, brothers and sisters, is not going to stop. It's not going to be appeased. It is not going to allow you and I for too much longer to keep a safe distance. Because silence is not going to be good enough. It's going to be, you must celebrate. And if, if, you're, if you think I'm just a kook and I, I'm, I'm way out there, well, one, watch the news. But two, if you begin to just read, how, how is this happening? Uh, not just in Canada, not just happening in Europe, but it is happening in the States as well. It's happening in courts and, and where some of these things are, are beginning to come into play. Well, that's what I was talking about. The barricades of religious freedom are beginning to be crumbled. They're standing right now, but they will not stand forever. 
And so right now, the pressures are beginning to come. Here's how it's coming if you're thinking about intrinsic circles. The pressure is coming in the public sphere right now. If you have any label of Christianity in the public sphere, you are target number one. Just look at Chick-fil-A recently. They are under overwhelming pressure. You think it's just going to stop there? It's not going to stop there. It's going to move into uh, not only the businesses, but into institutions. And this is the other key sphere where this is happening, particularly in Christian colleges and universities. If you take any government funding, well, then they get to set the rules. Or if you even accept government loans that your students can get, you must play by the rules. It's happening. And not only that, the pressure is beginning to keep, keep building, moving from, from top to bottom, and it's going to enclose upon churches. And I don't know what the speed and all these things, just, just think about this. It's going to enclose upon churches because churches, guess what? We, 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 we're dollar signs. We don't pay uh, taxes as a church. And yet that's property. And that's money that's left on the table. And so, if you want to keep that tax-exempt status, you can see how this goes. Well, then don't say these things and celebrate those. Or, that's fine, we'll take 20% of what you're, uh, you're bringing in. And so for some churches... They'll be able to survive, and and for most, they will not. And you can begin to see how the pressures will happen. And and once the the cultural pressures are changed, now you're in the workplaces, and now this this has happened at the business level, but now it's affecting you at an individual level. And so what's going to happen? You're going to have to celebrate the holidays that are required to be celebrated, particularly in June. And you're going to have to sign waivers that are going to say that you will no longer use certain pronouns and you will respect every other person's uh, self-identification of who they are. And you're going to be faced with a dilemma, do I speak the truth? That doesn't mean you're a jerk and you're seeking it out. There's lots of wisdom here. Do you speak the truth and you speak what is is knowingly right, or do you shut your mouth? And you will have a conscience problem on your hands because it's going to flesh you out. And so this is why Jesus is saying, you must be wise as serpents and yet innocent as doves because these type of things, and just, just that pronoun issue, if you're unaware of that, it is moving like wildfire. It is moving so quickly. And it may just not have come to your world yet. But you are going to have to be wise as a serpent to navigate that. How how do you do it? And I've already had some of you come to me. Hey, hey, um, this organization that our children are a part of, we came back after Christmas break, and our instructor moved from being a man to a woman. What do I do? That's happening. 
And if you think you're just going to be able to to just hide and, and just separate yourself, you're not. In how you respond is going to flesh out the cost of being a Christian in this world. And again, the innocence as doves part's crucial for us because some of us are like, take it on, we hate this stuff anyway, and that's not what Jesus is after. How are you winsome and how are you going to reach people in a culture like this that is every day building its barricades against you? We're probably only going to get to discernment today, just so you know. So that's the first area of discernment. You you need to begin to see where the opposition is. You need to be discerning of that. But secondly, and here's the positive side of this, discern the opportunity that's here. Because that's what we see. Jesus warns us, beware of the wolves. You're going to have to be like a a snake who can slither into the darkness and come out when needed and, and accomplish the work. Why? You don't want to get devoured. He'll later even say, flee from one town to the next. So there's wisdom that's going to have to be in play here. Certainly on the mission field. You go to a town and the persecution's at a certain level. Jesus says, get out of there. This isn't just go mercenary style and die. But he recognizes that that some of you will be delivered though. Delivered over to the courts, delivered over to the religious institution, be delivered and betrayed by your friends and family. And what he wants you to see is that although the wolves will get a hold of some of you, there's an opportunity. In other words, persecution will lead to gospel opportunities that were previously unavailable to you. Even the cultural changes that are happening here. Okay? This is going to create opportunity for us. Look at what he says in verse 18. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. Why? To bear witness before them and the Gentiles. What is he's telling the disciples? You're going to be handed over to governors and to kings and to, 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 to rulers even those foreign to you, the Gentiles. Now, you and I, we don't have a kingship. And you're probably not going to be handed over directly to the president or the governor or or something like that. But here's where you might be brought before a boss because you violated the code of conduct in 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 the employee handbook. Not because you were being a jerk, just because you're you're. You can't go against your conscience. And you might be brought before them. Or maybe you're a teacher in the school system and, and now you're going to have to stand before the board or, or, or some other organization and the trustee board is going to, to examine what you're doing or not doing. Not because you are belligerent about your Christian faith, but because you aren't celebrating what they want you to celebrate. Or you might be brought to the court of public opinion which is ruled through social media. What a great establishment. 
And you, once it goes there, you lose, right? Doesn't matter what the truth is. You lose to the court of public opinion. And so when that spotlight is on you, in your weakness and in your suffering and your complete helplessness, you'll be able to bear witness to Christ in a way that you couldn't do before. The old saying is still true. The blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. When the wolves of this world, brothers and sisters, seek to devour us, it actually gives us opportunity to powerfully put Christ on display. We actually show that, our, that, that to live as Christ is, and to die is gain. We're not just, uh, just affirming something. No, Christ is our, our life and I will die for Christ. I will sacrifice my, my job for Christ, my position for Christ, my, my future at this establishment for Christ. And I'll do it innocently and lovingly and gently, just like Christ who was, who was like a lamb led to the slaughter, but he opened not his mouth. And there will be some, like that soldier, after they have killed Jesus, who will look at him and say, surely this Jesus is the Son of God. Because you were faithful and you discerned the opportunity not to shrink back, but to boldly profess and I think here, if we're just kind of looking broadly, and then I'll, I'll bring this to a close, thinking about what our Iranian brothers and sisters are facing and how the gospel advanced through great opposition, the Islamic Republic of Iran, the Ayatollah, what happened? When it took full root, evil takes full root, it destroyed and decimated the society brought great opportunity, right? The same thing's happening here. As the sexual revolution goes and it promises a utopia, it promises love, freedom, and happiness, what will happen? It will be shown to be a lie. And great heartache will happen to all who've been a part of it. Maybe, maybe you're here today and, and you're just like, man, I, I came to the wrong Sunday because I'm all about that revolution. I want you to know that we're not your enemy. And actually, Jesus Christ has come to save us because, yes, we, we all do want that utopia. We all do want the promise of love. We all long for that freedom. I heard it in Don's testimony. We long for that happiness. But I venture to say that you're still pursuing it because it never truly satisfies. And maybe you feel more broken than ever before, though you have, have gone headlong after the things that you're pursuing. All of us are broken here. We find our hope and our acceptance not, not in the world, but in Jesus Christ, who has given his life for us, so it's not I who live, but he who lives in me. 
and we have given ourselves to his purposes. And I want you to know you're welcome here. If you're battling with these things and you're torn, you, you don't know where to go, I'd love to talk with you. There are those who've gone down that road here and have found Christ. We want you to know there is there's true freedom available to you in the gospel. And coming to Jesus and denying yourself, he will set you free. And church, as we, as we look at the world and the casualties that will come, the dead bodies will pile up from the sexual revolution. It will. There will be those who come out wounded, who are leave, lame and they are weak. And they'll now be ready to hear the gospel. Just like in Iran. It was just a different expression of the satanic attack. That is opposed to the, to the God of this world and to his son, Jesus Christ. And so Jesus calls us to be discerning, to be wise as serpents, but yet innocent as doves. As we're going to see next Sunday, and I'll actually probably keep carrying on through, this is going to require reliance on the Holy Spirit in a way that most of us just aren't relying upon him. And then it's going to require endurance, like running a race. To cross that finish line, it's not going to be a cakewalk. But yet there's a promise that he who endures to the end will be saved. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And, and as we do, we're going to uh, sing. Um, come, uh, What song are we singing? I need to have that before me. God rest you, married gentlemen. And as we sing... Um, we'll collect our Lottie Moon offering. Uh, there's baskets on either side here to my left and right. Uh, those of you who have uh, been here before, you know the routine. If you're a new member since we've done this, just follow everyone's lead and you'll be fine, okay? All right, let me pray for us and then we'll sing. We'll give our offering and then we'll be dismissed.